Welcome to everyone gathering with us online and welcome to Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday launches us into what some of you call Holy Week and what some of us call Easter Week. And this allows us to focus on probably one of the most important weeks of history. This is the week leading up to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In many ways, the gospel writers bring this week into sharp focus for us. And the way they do that, for example, in the book of Matthew, he opens up with two chapters around the birth of Jesus. And then he gives us 18 chapters on the next three years of Jesus' ministry. And then he gives us eight whole chapters on this week alone. The Gospel of John does a similar thing by giving us almost a third of his gospel committed to this what we call Holy Week or Easter Week. And so the gospel authors are saying, guys, just how we're writing and how we're giving you the gospel, this is important. This you need to focus on. This deserves your attention. And so I'm really hoping that this Palm Sunday puts us onto a journey that allows this whole week leading up to Easter become so real and important to us. Now, I grew up in church and I knew that Palm Sunday had something to do with Easter. But as a kid, I knew that Palm Sunday meant that the church was going to be covered in palm leaves. Now, the church that I grew up in had a palm tree in the parking lot. So we, there was no shortage of supply when it came to palm leaves. But it was palm leaves everywhere. Um, of course, we've even got some palm leaves here in our home. And then the other key figure in Palm Sunday is the donkey. And if you grew up in church, I'm sure you've cut out donkeys. I'm sure you've pinned the tail on the donkey. I'm sure you've colored in donkeys or made plasticine donkeys. But for so many people, Palm Sunday is about palm leaves and donkeys. What I hope happens today is that Palm Sunday is so much more than just a reason to have fun and nostalgia. But really we are able to see the richness and the power of Palm Sunday as we go into Easter week. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 21. If you don't have, don't worry, the verses will be there. And let us read together starting at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their coats on them, and Jesus sat on them. In those verses that I just read is a quote from a prophet, and it is actually from the prophet Zechariah. Now, recently, I had the opportunity to preach from the book of Zechariah. Admittedly, the book of Zechariah wasn't a book I was very familiar with. I hadn't preached from it much. I knew a few verses here and there. I hadn't really studied it before. So leading into the preach, I took the opportunity to read it through a few times. Now, if you had to do that, if you had to take the book of Zechariah and just read it through once, you might walk away very confused because it will feel like a dream. And the reason is because Zechariah is filled with 
crazy concoction of dreams and visions and images and maybe you walk away not knowing what they mean. And then as I began to study the book of Zechariah and peel back the layers, I realized it was such a powerful book. Zechariah was written to the exiles as they were coming back to Jerusalem after 70 years in Babylon. Zechariah reminds them, don't forget why you were in exile. Don't forget why you were in Babylon. The prophet Jeremiah prophesied that they would be in exile for 70 years. And now they've returned. And they returned back to the land full of hope, full of expectation. And yet they discovered life was still hard. They weren't successful in building the temple. And they were really struggling. And it is into this context that God speaks to his people through the prophet Jeremiah, through these images. He speaks through these dreams and these images and these visions, uh, saying a number of things to these people. But as you read through the book of Zechariah, a figure starts to emerge. A cryptic figure, which Zechariah calls the branch, servant of God. A number of qualities start to emerge around this figure. The one is, it is through the servant of God that God will cleanse the land of sin and remove the sin of the land in a single day. This figure will be called a high priest and he will be a king. Chapter 11 of Zechariah tells us more about this king and, and calls him a shepherd. The shepherd is going to be rejected by the sheep of Israel and the shepherds of Israel, referring to the leaders of Israel. This same, same shepherd king is going to be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And the same shepherd king is going to be pierced and the nations will mourn. But one of the most important identity markers of who this shepherd king is comes to us in chapter 9. And that is where Matthew gets his quote from, where he says, This king is going to ride into Jerusalem on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. So let's go back to Jesus. I'm hoping what he's starting to see is that when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on this colt, this is so much more than Jesus needing some transport. Oh, well, he has a donkey. Let me use the donkey. I hope you're seeing that this is so much more than Jesus going, well, I need to fulfill some random prophecy. Someone fetch me a donkey. Rather, as we see, even just looking at the book of Zechariah, this figure that Jesus is fulfilling by Jesus coming in on a donkey. He's saying, I am that figure, that servant of God. I am the ultimate high priest. I am the ultimate king. I am the son of David. I am the Messiah. I am who you are waiting for. Not only does Zechariah speak about this person, but all the prophets created an incredible amount of expectation. And by Jesus coming into Jerusalem on this day, in this way, he is making this almighty claim. This person you've been waiting for, I am he. And so these first few verses tell us about the king coming into Jerusalem. The next few verses we're going to read tell us about the crowd's response to this king. So let us read from verse 8. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. In Galilee. 
First of all, in this text, we see that there is a large crowd. I often quote Andy Stanley on this, where he says, people who were not like Jesus liked Jesus. And so there were always a large crowd following Jesus. But there's a second reason there was a large crowd. You see, people had heard about this man. His reputation had preceded him. They had heard about the claims of this prophet from Galilee. They had heard about his miracle working and they wanted to see him for himself. And so there they were gathered in large crowds. And then they did a number of very important things. The first thing they did was they took their garments and they laid them down before this king. This was a sign of their willing submission of Jesus coming as king. Then they cut down palm leaves and laid them two down before Jesus as he came in. This was something that they had done on a number of occasions when Jewish kings came into the city after a great victory. So this was a sign of Jewish nationalism and victory. And then they shouted. They didn't just stand on the side singing nice little songs. They shouted and proclaimed a number of important things, shouting Hosanna, which means God save us. They called Jesus the son of David, recognizing he was the promised king sent by God to reign and rule. Jesus was the, was the messianic king. And then blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, recognizing Jesus is the true servant of God. He is God coming to bring his kingdom. So as I think about the crowd laying down their cloaks before Jesus coming in, here's a question for you. What do you need to lay down as a symbol of your submission to Jesus as King? Here were people who were so participating in the moment. They were willing to lay their clothes down. They were willing to lay their lives down before Jesus. They were willing to declare their submission before him. Now I'm sure there were, further, there were others further back in the crowd who, if you had to go ask them, well, do you think Jesus is King? Maybe some of them would have said, well, I don't know. Maybe some of them would have said yes. They had an opinion possibly that Jesus was king, but they weren't throwing in their lot with him. And so what does it mean for you to throw in your lot with Jesus, to lay your life down, to lay yourself down before the king as a sign of submission to him? And then I think about those people in the crowd laying down these palm leaves before Jesus. Remember, this was a sign of victory. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're just at the beginning of Easter week and we're heading into Good Friday and then Resurrection Sunday where we celebrate the victory of Jesus. But you know, for a lot of these people, they were expecting Jesus' victory to look something like this. The king coming into the city and overthrowing the Roman Empire, overthrowing the Roman rule, liberating Jerusalem to rule for herself. And so as I think about you considering Jesus' victory, I'm wondering if you also have a few things that you're praying for Jesus to, be, to demonstrate his victory in. But now, here's the thing. Because these people had a certain view of Jesus' victory, they missed the far bigger victory. You see, victory for Jesus came by being nailed to a cross. That was not what they expected. But the reason Jesus did this It's because he was walking towards a greater victory. He knew that there were greater enemies, greater enemies than the Roman Empire. These were the enemies, death and sin and hell and Satan that Jesus needed to confront. And the way to confront them was by dying on a cross for us. And in the same way, these people possibly missed 
the greater victory by focusing on a lesser victory. I'm wondering if you're trusting Jesus to come through for you in this time of lockdown or to come through for you in financial struggle or any other difficulty you're going in. And yes, absolutely. Let's pray for Jesus to invade those moments with his will and his presence. And let's see what God does as we pray for him to come into these moments. However, if that's the only way that we're looking for Jesus to show us his victory, I'm hoping we don't miss out on the bigger victory. And yet here we are allowing Palm Sunday to remind us of the greater victory that Jesus was walking towards. And then as I think about these crowds who were passionately worshipping and shouting, I want to encourage you guys to invest yourself passionately into this Easter week. I know it's awkward sometimes worshipping at home and either on your own or with your family, but I want to encourage you to worship Jesus passionately during the course of this Easter week and the coming weekend. Please don't just go through the motions. We are providing some resources for you to deepen your passion and deepen your hope in Jesus. I'm also hoping that we don't let the story fall into cliche, that we allow this very familiar story to take us to greater heights and greater passions. So yes, invest your time, but also invest your heart and your passions into this Easter week. And I'm really hoping a sense of awe and gratitude grows in your hearts during the course of the next few days. One final thought for us, and that is found here in verse 10. It says here, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And church, when Jesus comes in, he needs to stir us and he needs to stir the lives of the people around us. This time of Easter is a time when so many people are going to engage in some form of religious activity around Easter. For so many people, it's going to be like going through the motions because this is what they do. But I want you to pray that Jesus enters in and stirs us up. Maybe you want to pray for specific people. Maybe you want to invite specific people to participate with you in this Easter week and with us as we do church online. But pray that Jesus comes in and stirs them up. And when they ask, who is this? Who is this king who is stirring us up? You're able to tell them who this king is. Points towards Jesus and his incredible victory.